Starcourt Study Hall episodes contain spoilers for all seasons of Stranger Things. Episodes may also contain graphic content and language not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts unless otherwise stated, and all content and characters are property of Netflix and the Duffer Brothers. I'm Amanda. I'm Marina. And And this this is Starcourt Study Hall. give this much thought (laughs) that's fine that's okay we can just start like that (laughs) we we didn't give this this any thought today this we're just gonna go back to bed (laughs) yeah it's 11 42 a.m on a saturday it's clearly too early for us yeah normally i have like this like intro prepared and i'm like so this is what we're gonna do but i didn't i didn't really get that far but i guess you know what we're going to do today is we're going to do a season one wrap up. So we did our season one overview, which I just said to Amanda yesterday. I listened to it like halfway through and it sounds like a completely different podcast. <laughs> I know it's wild to listen to the early episodes and like compare them to our later episodes. I mean, it hasn't even been 20 and we sound totally different. We we know so much more. I know. I always feel that with a with a podcast, like if you're going to try to listen to one, you have to get through like the first five episodes until the people find their groove. Yes. And then it's like, OK, now I can listen to this. But the, those first five are rough. Yeah. So if you if you've stuck it out this long with us, <laughs> we are so appreciative because we know the beginning might have sounded rough, but we're so glad you're here. And yeah. Don't, it's only going to get better. So we hope. You yeah. Know, Fingers who's crossed. to say? <laughs> So yeah, we're going to do a season one wrap up today. We figured we wanted to put season one in a nice little box, like a nice little gift wrapped box with a fancy bow so that we can ring in season two, like clean and fresh with a, mm-hmm. with an understanding of season one. So yeah, so today we're going to do a season one wrap up. We're also going to do a little bit of like Demogorgon D&D lore because we didn't get into that at all throughout the actual episodes which is strange and then the other thing that we're gonna do which is pretty fun is we found a bunch of old articles that were written in like late 2016 2017 about what people thought was going to come in season two and beyond so people theorizing after season one aired So we're going to look at those old fan theories and see what actually came to be and what was like bullshit. Well, I'm I'm really extra excited to get into that part because there's a couple that I feel like are still a little bit unanswered. Mm hmm. So I'm I'm really interested to talk about that. Yeah. Some of them to see like where people's heads went just after season one and how what they thought then is still kind of relevant is Mm -hmm. it was it was wild to read through some of these but we're going to start off with a stranger things state of the union (laughs) the formal name yes (laughs) i figure we would go through character by character and just kind of talk about where they are what they're doing how things are going if they're okay so that we (laughs) is everybody good is are we all okay we're gonna start with 11 how's she doing well (laughs) <laughs> she's presumably not doing great at the moment she's banished to the upside down which we don't know yet technically we think she's dead we do think she's dead we think she's kind of just like more or less vaporized 
Yes. Like Voldemort at the end of the Deathly Hallows when he turns into like <laughs> dust. Like <laughs> I know. It, it did remind me of that a little bit. Like the way that the Demogorgon kind of turns into like little strips of paper. <laughs> like that's what happens to Voldemort. And to Bellatrix Lestrange, actually. And to Bellatrix, yes. Yeah, yeah so Ella's kind of just like not here. Mm-hmm. But at this point we don't know where she is. So I would say she she's we don't know where she is. She's probably not doing all that great. Elle is in limbo after season one. And what about Will? Will is complicated because... Will is complicated. On the outside, you know, he looks like he's doing better. He's home with his family. He's safe, so to speak. But us as the audience have omnipotence, I guess, in our POV. So we know that he is, in fact, not doing great. He's not. He's hacking up slugs. Gross. In secret. Yes. And he's clearly hiding it from Joyce because he comes out of the bathroom and she's like, you okay? And he's like, yeah, totally, perfectly fine. I didn't just hack up a slug and now it's in our plumbing. Nothing weird happened at all. Thanks. Let's (laughs) have dinner. (laughs) But it's weird when you think about him doing that and like how Jonathan also spent the entirety of season one sort of trying to preserve Joyce's. Yeah, like they, they feel the need to protect Joyce, it seems. That's so true. And oh, yes. And we can definitely talk more about that when we get into the like redemption arc part Mm -hmm. of this. But that's so true. That's a great point. Like the boys definitely do feel protectiveness over their mom. And I do have to wonder if that's a result of having such a terrible dad and like watching her Mm -hmm. presumably get abused by him. Yeah. And we already talked a lot about how parentified Jonathan was. I guess we can probably argue that to some extent Will is. But I mean... We see in season two, and like we'll obviously get into it, but we see how Will reacts to Joyce's helicoptering as well. So I wonder if part of him like putting on this facade, everything's fine, is also like, Ma, like I'm fine, like just leave me alone, mm, sort of thing. Probably. Yeah. Okay. So Will is complicated. I think that's a good word. He's yes. safe, sort of. He's not in the upside down anymore, but he he seems to be, for lack of a better term, uh, infected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which we will find out in season two is kind of accurate. Yeah. Um, okay, so how's how's our boy Mike doing? Oh, Mike. He is heartbroken. Amanda just rolled her eyes. I did. Oh, wow. Did I? I, I didn't even like. It's involuntary. I Yeah, he's heartbroken. Our poor boy. He's not doing so hot. He's lost his first love, pretty much. He has. And you can even see, like, in that final scene of season one when they're doing the D&D campaign, he's, like, happy to be back with his party right he's got will back and he's got dustin and he's got lucas but then he looks behind him and you see that he looks back and he's like i have these three but i don't have her Mm -hmm. so he's not in good spirits he's not and then again we see this in season two reflected in his bad behavior he starts to act out he's just not doing so hot yeah he does he goes through like that rebellious not verbalizing his emotions Mm mm-hmm type of thing he's so similar when you juxtapose him with nancy like as siblings Mm. how nancy handled the the loss of barb and it comes off like oh yeah she's kind of okay but then she does spiral in season two trying to deal with the loss of barb so it's interesting that mike and nancy kind of deal with the losses in the same way that's really interesting i did not they really do internalize a lot. And again, this probably has something to do with their parents. Yeah. Uh, considering they are the least observant people on planet Earth. And I think Mike is also one of one of the only characters who 
he lost Will, and then in order to get Will back, he had to lose L. So mm-hmm. he's just kind of dealing with never being. I feel like he's never really whole. Like he's mm-hmm. never feeling one hundred percent whole because he's got this absence after the other absence, even though he got the one back. Yeah, and even when we see when he gets L back, he kind of loses Will. He does, yeah, in season three. But yep. he he and loses. Four. I mean, he loses Will like to distance in season four. But in season three, Will is trying his very best to just simply play D and D. It's all he wants. <laughs> He just wants to play D&D and Lucas and Dustin sort of and Mike are sort of just in girl girl mode at that point. Yeah, so, that's tough. Yeah, Mike and Will, I feel like I think about season two when Mike is the one who's there with Will as yeah. he's like going through this exorcism thing. <laughs> like they're really together in season two. But then after season two, Mike and Will sort of fall off. Yeah. But also because of L coming back. True. Yeah, like I guess that I was gonna say it's like strange after this, this very personal trauma that they go to through together in season two that they drift. But I guess it's you know it makes sense because L is back. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to talk about all that more. Yeah. How are Lucas and Dustin doing? I put them in the same boat here because I feel like, especially in season one, they feel paired. Yeah. In this way. So how, how what's going on? Yeah, it's interesting to see, like, looking back, how relegated to side characters they are in season one. I mean, honestly, even in, like, season two, it they're, they're a little bit side-y. But we do get the whole runner with, like, Max and everything, so they start mm-hmm. to come more to the forefront. But, yeah, like, like looking back now, it's like Dustin... I don't, he like ran season four in a lot of ways and, <laughs> and look, looking back he was like so kind of in the background in season one but I think we we do see a lot of his merit academically and he's so clever and he's always coming up with the best ideas for the group and I will also say he has literally never been wrong about any of his theories just saying yeah, just saying. Yeah. We are gonna. We are yeah, gonna I know. run. Mm-mm. Run. No, no. <laughs> we're gonna, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> we're gonna run up the hill and then we're gonna die on it because no. <laughs> Vecna is not the big bad. Well, yeah, we'll get into it later. But okay, I am not losing you. <laughs> I ran up it and we're okay. dying on it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Lucas and Dustin. I feel like at the end of season one, they're just kind of. They're kind of just, we don't see them in that last, like, Christmas moment. Yeah. We see them do their, you know, Dustin farted. And then they, like, <laughs> that's pretty much the end of their season one. <laughs> that's that's the note that we leave them on. I think they're, I think they're fine. Oh, yeah. They seem, right? they seem completely unfazed by this severe trauma they've just gone yeah. through. Hopefully they have parents or something, you know, since we didn't see them really at all in season one. No. We saw some people at Will's funeral with, with <laughs> Lucas. I don't know who they were. Was Erica even there? Yes, she was there and it was a different person. Okay. It was a different child completely. <laughs> a different Erica. Yes. So yeah, I think I think they're fine. They're just kind of fine. They seem good. They feel they seem unscathed. They do. Miraculously. I will say. Especially when Max comes in and like I like the scene in the arcade when Lucas like tries to lure Max back into that room to mm-hmm. tell her about Elle in confidence. Like Lucas and Dustin are definitely aware of the risk. Do you accept the risk? <laughs> like they know what the, the gravity of the situation. But as far yes. as what they're dealing with at the end of season one, they see, they seem all right. Yeah, they seem fine. 
All right, how's the chief doing? Not the best, but not the worst no. either. Yeah, he's he's on questionable terms, I feel like. Yeah. Feels like kind of like what we mentioned in the last episode. Feels like he kind of went through this like physical version of his journey with Sarah mm-hmm. in in rescuing Will. So I can't tell if that was like a healing experience for him or more traumatic. Yeah. That's a good point. Like did it it, it I think in our upside down episode, if I remember correctly, you you seem to feel that it was more of a healing. Yeah, right? It it did seem that way because, like, I don't know. We watch him have the flashback to Sarah not being resuscitated, but then he successfully resuscitates Will. And it's like, okay, yeah. like, maybe I don't have this curse or I am – I'm not the curse. Like, I like I can bring good stuff too. Yeah, I think – Definitely a reliving of his trauma went down in that final chapter of season one. But I do think like when you think about how he started season one and then how Hopper ended season one, like we talked about that a lot, how the first, the one, is it the body? It is the body. It starts with him explaining to Joyce that Will's body has been found and he's trying to explain this to her. And that episode or that chapter ends with him breaking into the morgue and slicing Will's body. Mm-hmm. And that episode, the, it's just such a perfect, like, it captures Hop's character development in season one so well. <laughs> yes. It just, like, all happens in that one episode suddenly. Yes. Yeah. He goes from he goes from A to Z real quick. Yes. So. Yeah. He had a great arc this season, which he continues to move through. Well, some of season three is questionable. <laughs> yeah, people really were not happy with, with Hopper in season three. Yeah, he regressed a bit. He regressed. That's the exact word that came to my brain. Yeah. But I don't know. I think he's okay. I think he definitely went through it in season one. I do think, though, he is in this weird... Like, don't forget, the last thing we see of him, right, is he gets into the vehicle. He leaves the, He leaves the hospital when will is there and he gets into the car yeah so we have to assume that he's we know he struck a deal with hawkins lab i don't know if we know yet how involved that deal is i think that reveals itself a little bit more in season two mm-hmm. but then we also see the last thing we see him do is place the food in the box oh yeah so when you think about him placing the food in the box and how it's christmas it makes you realize that when l in season two when you see her crawl through the wall of the school from the upside down into the hallway that that didn't happen long after she banished the demogorgon she's not in the upside down that long no it seems like that happens like overnight basically right like her hair is so, still shaved and everything like yeah she, she looks pretty much the same so yeah that's that's interesting like she's not in there long and she just emerges and then she spends like three months i think or two months or something like that in the woods surviving yeah do we do we get in season two how long l has been with hopper it seems like i forget we'll probably find out yeah we'll episodes, see but i think it's like maybe january or de- okay like late december like a little after christmas when he okay. picks her up yeah and he's and she's with him until after halloween until like a year yeah and she's just she's but in that interim period between her banishing herself and hopper putting egos in a box she's like living outside like mm-hmm. a feral child Yes, like just in the freezing cold. Yeah. With her stupid dress on. With her dress. So I don't know what Hopper's doing at the end of season one. He feels a little bit all over the place. He does. Do you think his feelings for Joyce are clear yet at this point? I don't think so. Me neither. Yeah, like I I don't remember thinking at the end of this season that there was going to be anything between them. Right, same. Yeah, okay. Speaking of, how's our girl Joyce doing? Joyce seems great. (laughs) She seems, yeah, she seems good. She seems, I would say, a little bit on edge. Yeah, for sure. Because, like, when Will gets up to 
when they go to sit down to have dinner and there's like the runny potatoes <laughs> at the end and will goes oh i'll be right back i'm just gonna go wash my hands joyce looks at jonathan and goes wash his hands yeah like she was picking up on weird behavior from will and i could just feel her anxiety <laughs> i know <laughs> why is he doing that why I know. Does he, when, he doesn't wash his hands yeah when she did that i couldn't tell if it was like wow like <laughs> like he's really grown like in his <laughs> in his time away you know in his, or, time, in his month in his week away however yes. long yeah I, I couldn't tell if that was like oh wow like i'm so impressed or like uh what the heck is that yeah yeah. I think Joyce came far in season one. And like you said, we'll we'll kind of talk about it a little bit. But by the end of season one, she has she has her boy back. Mm-hmm. It's not my son. She has her son back. She does. The real um, one. The real one. The actual one. Not the dummy. Yeah. But she went through it. Like, obviously, she started out the season with losing her son. And then, then by the middle point, somebody had made a fake son. And then <laughs> she buried him. And... Yeah. Then she went to the upside down and then she resuscitated. Like, I can't. What a week. <laughs> what a week. <laughs> so much happened. But I think she's okay. I think she's on edge by mm-hmm. the end of season one. Under- understandably so. Yes. Yes. And I do think like she's she's just in a different place also, which, again, we will discuss. But I do feel like she's matured a lot through mm-hmm. this experience, like as a mother, as a person, which I'm really excited to get into how she matures as a person because yeah. her whole identity had been so wrapped up in being a mother that I feel like we get a lot more of like Joyce exploring herself as a human in season right. two and stuff. Yeah, like with Bob and everything yeah. and even beyond that a bit. Okay, so fine. She's fine. But I would say she's definitely like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of vibe I get from her at the end of season one. Yeah, I feel like she knows it's not over. and. Right. We we did also fail to mention that she is out here, like speaking to any newspaper who will listen. Yes, true. <laughs> so like she, She's, I think, I think she knows it's not over. Which is so interesting when you think about her and Terry Ives together, because mm-hmm. Terry did the same thing. Like she tried to blow this thing wide open and it failed. Yes. And Joyce is kind of doing a similar thing. But don't worry, Jonathan and Nancy are going to have it covered real soon. You're right. Speaking yep. of Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Jonathan. <laughs> what, what, what's, what are we doing here? What's he doing? Jonathan seems conflicted, maybe. I think he recognizes that he has feelings for Nancy. I don't think he wants to. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> yeah. Like, it seems like he has relegated himself to the, the friend and he's okay mm-hmm. with that. But it definitely seems like there's, you know, something there. Yeah, I agree. And I also think he is in in a false sense of hope like he Hmm. that's where i feel like he's living because in that final scene in like on christmas eve he's taking every picture like right and he's like clicking away and joyce is like wait stop like no he wants to capture every single moment because he knows at this point that it can be stripped away really really fast yeah, which is like I loved that little detail that he's suddenly documenting everything yes, his family he's is documenting. doing. Yeah, um, yeah, because I got that vibe too that he was like, "Oh, like we want memories," you know. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, like you know, it's a nice holiday. They're having the houses all fixed up. They mm-hmm. they have like good food on the table. <laughs> the dogs finally eating. Christmas lights are actually relevant, yes. and they're up. <laughs> We're using Christmas lights for their intended purpose. <laughs> He's probably feeling, he's feeling great. He feels jolly. He's feeling festive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I, again, like going back to the Steve, Nancy, Jonathan thing, I do think I agree. Like, I think Jonathan is 
feeling obviously has feelings for Nancy probably either thinks doesn't yet quite know that Nancy reciprocates those feelings but we go back to the camera thing like Mm -hmm. Jonathan thinks that that was Nancy's gift yeah I don't think he thinks that it's Steve's gift I don't even think that Jonathan would have any way of knowing that Steve was in the house I know (laughs) did he even see Steve (laughs) like so Jonathan I feel like he's yeah he's a little bit friend zoned Mm-hmm. but doesn't doesn't want to admit or act on those feelings that he might have for Nancy. But I also think he's grown because you think I think of him in the beginning of season 1 and how he was he was pretty I don't know, he felt arrogant to me. Yes, like elitist almost, like he was too good for everything. Yeah, like I'm I take photos and like I you're a girl at the end of a cul-de-sac and you and know, like I'm cool get- and I'm going to NYU. Spoiler alert, you're not. But (laughs) (laughs) like, yeah, I totally get that vibe. Like he seemed like he just thought he was like above it all. And um, he realizes he is not. And that he was judging people way too quickly. Mm -hmm. Like I think he. And I think that goes for Steve and Nancy. Yes. Yeah. And and John, like I think all three of them find that they were judging people by their cover. And that's not accurate. Right. Because, and I mean, even probably more so with Jonathan and Steve, like Jonathan at the end of season one in the upside down, he, and Steve comes and he fights. Like, I think he realized like, oh, I might've written this kid off a little bit too soon as just a dumb jock. And I think by the end, I mean, we'll get to Steve, but yeah, I just, I think that Jonathan kind of got taken down a little bit. I think he needed, yeah, he was, he was giving me like pretentious vibes. And speaking of being knocked down a peg, Nancy. I think yeah. I think she got knocked down a peg too in this in this season. Like I think she kind of went through a similar arc where she was just staying in her lane. She was trying really hard to be cool in school mm-hmm. and you know dating Steve and hanging out with the terror twins Tommy and Carol mm-hmm. and but I think she realized that like there is way more to life than that. I mean a, a general theme that we noticed through this entire show is characters realizing that there is more to life than high school and stuff like that. All right, Liz Fair. I'm gonna need you to calm down with the more. <laughs> Dude, okay, I'm sorry. That is not Liz Fair. That is who is it? Stacy Arico. Are you sure? I'm gonna look it up right now. There's got to be more to life. There's got to be more to life yeah. than sitting around. You're thinking, thinking of that. why can't I breathe? Whatever. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yep. Okay. Yep. There's got to be more to life. It is by Stacy Arico. Oh, sorry. Run, Stacy Arico. Run. My apologize. All those young ladies from that time. <laughs> Yes, Liz, Liz Fair is the Why Can't I Breathe girl. Those Basically songs, the same I mean, song. Those songs do sound a lot alike. Her and then Brie Larson before Brie Larson was who Brie Larson is right now. I know. Classic Brie Larson. Anyway. Anyway, um, Nancy. So yeah, Nancy. But yeah, she has a huge growth arc in this season too. Mm-hmm. She like goes from... I just I think of her in that first scene when Kids is playing and, and Dustin comes upstairs and offers her pizza. Mm-hmm. And she, like, is on the phone, and she gets up like she's going to take the pizza. <laughs> she just closes the door in his face. <laughs> uh, I know. She's so, like, teenager here. She's like, so innocent teenager. Ooh, she's all, like, playing with her hair on yeah. the phone, playing with it's the probably phone. her own phone line. Oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. Right? For sure. You know what's interesting? Hmm. And I didn't think of this until now. So... I remember when we did our season one overview and we went like character by character and we said Nancy is like a goody two shoes. Yeah. 
Her necklace the entire season is literally two shoes. Yeah, it's two ballet shoes. Yeah, it is shoes. <laughs> like she she had this goody two shoes vibe at the beginning, and then by the end she's like a gun wielding, <laughs> demogorgon fighting, grief stricken young woman. I would love to see like side by side the first time we see Nancy next to her nailing Vecna with bullets with a machine gun. So, yeah, Nancy grew a lot as well. Definitely. And she seems upset by the end. She's like, I think we get that last scene of her leaving the hospital. Yeah. And she, you can tell that she's like, you know what? They got, Mike got his friend back, but I don't have Barb. I know. And even when she's sitting on the couch with Steve at the end, it kind of seems like she's lost in thought. Mm -hmm. Like a little bit wistful, a little bit like. Yeah, contemplative mm-hmm. or something. I think wistful is a really good word. Thank I like you. that. Thank you. All right, Steve? Steven. Steven. <laughs> Steven. Also, huge growth arc here. Massive. Massive, yes. I mentioned before that several of the characters learned that you should not judge books by their cover. But mm-hmm. I, I will amend that statement, especially when it comes to Steve, at least in season one, and say, yeah. you shouldn't judge books by their cover, but sometimes they contain important information. Ooh, yes. <laughs> yes. Because Steve is still Steve a little bit by, like, season two and even a little bit of season three. Yeah, Steve. I mean, Steve can't shake Steve. Yeah. Like, he's, just, he's who he is. But I think... His priorities shift. I think that's like where we really see change in Steve Mm -hmm. is his priorities, where they lie. Yeah, for sure. Because even in season four, like you get the whole, I'm just trying to find a girl. I can't find a girl. Then he kind of realizes that he knows who his girl or who he wants his girl to be. Mm -hmm. Which is why he can't find her because she already exists. Yes, that makes sense. Yes. So I think, I think Steve goes through like the bad boy doing bad boy things with a good heart. Like he comes back in at the end and he fights off the Demogorgon, saves Jonathan's life. Yeah. Like actually. Yes. Okay. Brenner. Okay. He's dead, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Completely dead. God. How is he not though? I don't know. Still he's, don't know. He's, he's dead. Like, That's where we know him to be at the end of season one is dead. I just don't know what, like, why do we never get an explanation for why he's not dead? Like, that really just really stuck in my brain. Maybe we will, but now he's really dead. Yes. So maybe Henry will explain in season five. I sure hope so, because this really, I couldn't get over it. Like, yeah, no. how he appears with just his little face scar and that's it. I don't, I'm not going to talk about it. <clears throat> I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're, we refuse to speak on this podcast. <laughs> We're just not doing it. All right, let's move on. Okay. Let's um Karen and Ted are fine, right? They're, you know, themselves. They're they have no idea <laughs> that anything has happened here except, Which is kind of weird. It, right, except for the, you know, the government raiding their home looking for a Russian right. girl. <laughs> yes, and then they just seem to blissfully forget all of that information. Yes. Yes. And then they show up at the high school and they're like, "Oh gosh. Mike, Michael." Ah. Uh, and then Mike Michael. Then they just forget that existed. <laughs> yes um and then barb uh barb is dead very dead yeah i just wanted everybody to know that (laughs) (laughs) just gotta make sure that everybody is aware (laughs) okay yeah so in our season one overview back in the day (laughs) back way back in ye olden times (laughs) 
<laughs> ye olden times. <laughs> um, we talked about season one themes. So I wanted to pull those themes again and see if we can add to them. Okay. Um, and then if we could have thought or if we did think of any new themes that we didn't think of when we first did the overview yeah. in ye olden times. <laughs> so the, fir- <laughs> the first theme that we had listed back in the day was innocence and the loss of it. Yeah, I put that perhaps one of the losses of innocence that we didn't really discuss is Elle kind of realizing that there's an outside world and realizing what her childhood has been. Yes, Um, or hasn't been. Right. Like, you know, she pretty much grew up in the lab. She doesn't really know anything about the outside world at all. And then she finally gets it in season one and realizes what she's been missing out on. She realizes that the people in the lab are bad. Yeah, yeah, that she, you know, like she always viewed Brenner as Papa. And of course, that relationship is very complicated in itself. But she also has to come to terms with the fact that this person, the only person she's ever viewed as a parent figure is bad, evil. That and I think she it, it does suck. And you said parent figure. Like, I think she gets the contrast of other parent figures, which mm. she's never had. So she gets to compare like this dude to to Joyce. Mm hmm. And she can see what it feels like to maybe be genuinely parented. Yeah. I mean, in the bathtub, she experiences Joyce's like, it's very tender treatment. She's very soft spoken mm-hmm. to her. She's there for her and reassures her and even like holds her hand. I mean, Elle doesn't have physical touch ever. Like, no, Brenner's not showing her any sort of affection. Here, take this plant. Yes, that won't grow because there's no windows here. <laughs> it's like almost like the plant is a metaphor for L. Yeah. But also um, another loss of innocence in this season is Will's experience. He was probably the most innocent out of all four of the yeah. boys, I would say, before this. And now he's experienced this extreme trauma, gone through this an unexplainable situation so i mean yeah he's he's seen some stuff he almost died so that is going to reflect in season two it really does make me think about a will henry i know we were gonna do this but we didn't this it really makes me think of like a will henry situation because when you go through something bad people are always like you know what you're not the only one who's gone through this well sorry will you pretty much mm-hmm. fucking are yeah. the only one who's ever gone through this I, nobody can understand you no. nobody has empathy because nobody has gone through this I, except henry hmm. 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 <laughs> interesting yeah like it's not like there's a support group for this kind of thing there's just not upside down abduction support group <laughs> yeah they don't have that i don't think Think they'll start offering cruises to the upside down let's go (laughs) okay there's no water there what will we cruise on milk (laughs) oh yummy (laughs) okay anyway uh so yeah the other one of the other themes that we talked about was trust Mm -hmm. and we talked about trust in various contexts one context that we didn't mention was the parties or the gangs trust for each other. Mm. So we, you know, we talked about like how they had to, how L had to earn their trust, particularly Lucas's, but we didn't talk about the splintering of Mike, Dustin and Lucas. True. Yeah. Like the three of them really split up and it becomes this sort of Lucas 
and Mike on opposite ends of this party with Dustin trying to sort of mediate. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the the gang's trust for one another is also really compromised in season one. True. And then we have a Hopper's Lando moment, which we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about. And we both mentioned that we actually didn't really realize was a thing until kind of recently. Yeah. Like Hopper really betrays. I mean, Elle's trust, sure, but sure. I mean, that didn't really exist yet. But yeah. I think he betrays the trust of Dustin, Lucas, and Mike mm-hmm. by ratting out their whereabouts so that Brenner can get to Elle. Yeah, and like like you mentioned, I mean, he did attempt to make this deal that the boys wouldn't be harmed, but we all know that these people are not above harming 12-year-olds. No, especially if it means getting... They were driving full speed at them. Like, if it mm-hmm. means getting to L, I don't think they would have honored this agreement that was struck. Like, they would have killed Dustin, Lucas, and Mike yeah. if it meant getting to L. Because, like you said, what what would Hopper and Joyce have done? What were they going to do Right. About it? They were in the Upside Down. Mm-hmm. And... Vibin'. And even, like, in the... Like, they've they've seen that both Terry and Joyce now have, have attempted to blow this thing wide open and no one's listening so yeah they were they were like we don't have anything to lose yep so yeah hopper definitely was lando mm-hmm. we do have good versus <clears throat> evil as one of our themes as well we did bring up lonnie versus hopper in this kind of vein but not so much hopper versus brenner which is interesting because those are Elle's dads papas yes the papas <laughs> which yeah the, the mamas <laughs> and the papas <laughs> this entire podcast season we've been like oh man like hopper and brenner didn't really get like a in, like they didn't even get an interaction they totally did they did they did they got their they got their moment yeah in the upside down just the one though yeah but i do think they serve as like a juxtaposition to each other because they're l's dads yes like you can literally you are you are forced to compare them because they are in the same position yeah and one is good and one is evil. Pretty pretty clear cut, <laughs> yeah, on, on how this works. That's that's pretty much it for that one. Um though okay, so one other thing though I did I did want to mention is like even though this is our season one wrap up, like we're not really getting into season four or, or other seasons quite yet. In the good versus evil, I did want to again bring up the Will versus Henry yeah. juxtaposition because it does feel like there's a connection here. We don't know what it is yet. I'm, sensitive boys yeah like i i must know like what the connection is and yeah i do think in season five we're gonna get a very clear picture of dark and light good and evil will and henry it's so interesting because i'm reading the shining right now and i've never Ooh. read any stephen king so i was like you know what let me do that and danny torrance in the shining the whole thing is that he has the shine mm-hmm. which is like this you know second sight so to speak sensitivity to the future to the past like you can sense what occurred in the so i don't know i'm getting like danny torrance vibes from will and henry when henry was a a young boy yes but yeah i do i do have a feeling that in season five we're gonna get more explanation on that i hope we do yeah redemption so this one is where we want to we want to bring joyce back because we talked about like obviously yes steve harrington Mm -hmm. is redeemed we get it yes but nobody talks about Joyce here. She was the loony lady of Hawkins. <laughs> and by the end of season one, she's completely vindicated. See, yes and no. I feel like... Okay, Amanda disagrees. She is vindicated in the eyes of the people who know her and the people who, mm-hmm. who know the situation. But right. from the outside, she does still <clears throat> look a little loony. Because she's out here she does. in these newspapers being like, Hawkins Lab was doing experiments on my son. And like, 
you know, which is actually false. Afraid that actually didn't happen. But that is not true. Well, maybe not on purpose. I do feel like them leaving him in there kind of was its own experiment. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Let's see what happens right? to that lad. Let's just like pretend he's dead and let's just see what happens. Again, Will and Henry. Yep. So, you know, she's redeemed in some senses, but not all. And I feel like she also gets a bit of a redemption as a parent here as well. Yeah. Like in the beginning, we talked about such parentification of Jonathan and like she relies on him a lot and she seems to be so busy that she doesn't really know what's going on with her boys. Mm-hmm. And that definitely changes after this season. Like she she's paying attention a lot more. She's a lot more like on her game with the kids. So yeah, I think that changes a lot too. Yeah, I agree. I think Joyce is redeemed, especially like in the eyes of Jonathan, because he really loses touch with her mm-hmm. in the middle of season one. Yeah. So yeah, Joyce, redeemed. Redeemed. Sacrifice. So we talked about sacrifice, about like obviously Elle sacrifices herself quite literally. Jonathan sacrificing himself for his family. We talked about all that. But what I didn't really think about until watching chapter eight, the Upside Down, was how this like trade of Will and Elle occurred. And how in some ways Elle sacrificed herself so that Will could more or less be brought back safely yeah and i think we're gonna get into this in season two but i was thinking about it like and i even asked my husband about it i was like so do you think if given the choice mike would have rather l stayed or will have been found and brought back it's that's tough i yeah i personally feel like he would choose will that's what yeah that's what at this point right right like at like season one mike i think when it came down to it he would still choose will Okay. But later on, I don't know. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. So this like L will trade really kind of bothered me. The other theme that we mentioned, we didn't come up with anything new for this one, but was we talked about peer pressure, which is pretty prominent in season one. But the other thing we did was we decided to kind of think of themes that we didn't think of the first time around after doing a rewatch. And I think peer pressure leads kind of nicely into friendship. Yeah. One of our Instagram followers, whose name is Jeremy, actually mentioned friendship as a theme. And I think, yeah, like, I think that really checks out. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy. That's a good, yeah. It's like season one kind of pushes the boundaries of what are the limitations of friendship? Mm-hmm. What are the expectations? Like, Lucas setting his own boundaries as far as his friends are concerned. Yeah. Hey. Barb and Nancy. Right. How far, like, these these boys wanted to go and fight this extraterrestrial creature to get their friend back. Yeah, they were ready to go. Yeah, and then they needed to define, what is friend? Like, they needed to define that to Elle. So I really think friendship was was big. Yeah, it is interesting. And then you also wrote here about Dustin proclaiming you can't oh, have yeah. more than one best friend. Like a like a hierarchy of, of friends, you know, which, mm-hmm. OK, to be fair, if we're talking about the literal definition of the word best. Yeah, there can't be more than one. Sure. But um, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like, I think that's really interesting, too, because earlier we were talking about how Mike starts to lose Will in season four because he has L. And mm. I think the more than one best friend thing is kind of interesting when you look at that situation because mm-hmm. he he struggles with like balancing his relationships i feel like yeah one other theme that we didn't bring up in the beginning was parenthood that i feel like is pretty prominent in this season and just overall in this show and again i would like to bring up i i am once again bringing up 
I would once again like to ask you to listen to Lazy Boy yes. off of the season one score. <laughs> but I would once again like to bring up the juxtaposition between Will and Henry. To to me, like Will and Henry are are analogs of each other and they show what can happen when parents like parents can change the the course or the outcome. The trajectory, mm-hmm. yeah. Like it feels like Will and Henry started out at the same point and their parents changed their path. And I feel like because like we know that there's some sort of beef with Henry's mother. I don't know what the beef is yet, but you look you look <laughs> shocked. I'm having a thought. Okay. Like finish. Yeah, for sure. Finish. Okay. Yeah. So it, it appears to me that Henry definitely has some sort of beef with his mom. We don't know mm-hmm. what that is yet, but um, maybe we'll find out. And, and we have our own theories about what that beef is, but... And he also seems to have beef with his father, but it seems mostly surrounded around, you know, his father's accidental war crimes, but whatever. But yeah, like Henry seems to have all these issues with his parents, and then he ends up becoming dark Henry. And Will is nurtured by his mom and cared about Mm -hmm. and saved, like, to the extreme saved by his mom. And I... I, I will, as I'm saying this out loud, I will also bring in a religious theme here because we do see a lot of religion, like, I mean, obviously, yeah, mostly, for sure. mostly like Catholicism themes, mm-hmm. of course, there's a lot of Christ-like uh, imagery, but I do have to wonder if like that theme is also brought in by the fact that Will is quote unquote saved. Ooh. Right? This is spicy. I know. I know. Well, I was thinking that because you had mentioned like, you know, the trajectory of the ch- of childhood can be changed depending on how the parents obviously are treating mm-hmm. the child, reacting to the child, whatever it might be. And I think the implication, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that Henry's mother was already involved with the lab, which is mm-hmm. why when he killed his mother and sister, he was scooped up, yep. right, more or less, by Hawkins National Lab, yes. Brenner. And it's just interesting because where does Will end up spending a lot of his time in season two is the lab. So it's like in in that way, Joyce sort of also brings Will to the lab. And it's like, (laughs) oh, my goodness, (laughs) I don't like any of this. Mm -mm, mm -mm, Henry and Will, like, what is this? I don't like the implications of that. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. That's but yeah. So definitely Henry will spicy stuff here i know i now i'm like parent parenthood yeah i know but yeah i mean in in other parents we get that too like we hop has his whole Mm. arc of like losing sarah but saving will and um saved yep saved oh i'm i'm interested to see if that goes anywhere (laughs) i just kind of came up with that out of nowhere but i'm i'm very intrigued (laughs) Uh, and then we have karen as a parent as well who is kind of uninvolved but i think we get a really beautiful she gets her own sort of parent redemption i think in season three right yeah and even she's like a little in season four too because she sort of does lead the charge into like yes making sure the kids are safe right but yeah in season three especially because she she like helps out nancy so yeah she she has her own thing so the other thing that we wanted to do with this episode, and I feel like we've been doing it a lot already, is we wanted to talk about like unspoken observations. So things that we thought of after we'd recorded that we didn't say. Take it away, Amanda. 
<laughs> See, it, this is funny because Marina wrote the outline for this episode and I, I couldn't get to it till last night and I was like reading it. And the unspoken observations part, I just like, I was so stumped. I couldn't figure out what I was supposed to put here. So I texted her and I was like, yeah, I don't, I, like, I, I'm really stumped on this. And she's like, this was your idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> which I did not remember, but apparently it was. Um, I, I went back and screenshotted when yeah. she came up with the idea. I was like, Amanda, like, this was all you. <laughs> that was apparently my <laughs> That's idea. why we're doing this. <laughs> but so one of the things I noticed in season, or I'm sorry, in chapter seven, the bathtub, the Demogorgon came for Will at, at Castle Byers right after Elle showed up and was talking to him. So something that I thought after seeing this was, is this a Lando situation? Who is Lando in this scenario? So Lando would be, hmm, I don't know, actually. Because I know what you're saying. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like, it's almost like L led the Demogorgon to Will. Yes, but not on purpose. So, like, not... Not on purpose. Not really a Lando situation. Like, an accidental Lando situation. Yeah. Where, like, yeah, L would be Lando, but, like, she didn't know she was doing that. Where... So, like, I felt like it could be that Henry wanted L to come in there into her mind void to make connection with Will so that the Demogorgon could find Will. So, Will is the bait? Or is L the bait? I guess a little bit because, of both. Like Will is because you, yeah. Like Will is the bait for L to come in there, but right, L is the bait for the Demogorgon to get to Will. Yes, yes. Because you could also argue that Henry was like, "Let's leave this boy. Let's leave him. Yeah. Let's see if we can get her in here. Right. Right. I know that was my thought. Ew. Yeah. So I, because it it seemed too convenient. That's like Will was just hiding out in there for the longest time, and then and left alone. Yes. And suddenly, when L shows up, the Demogorgon gets him. So I thought Yucky. I thought that was interesting. Who the fuck <laughs> let Henry into this show? I don't get know. him out of season one. Go. We don't want him here. I know. I just, I hate it, but he's here. Like he is here. And and, <laughs> and that brings me to my second point. So I, I said that like watching season one, especially Brenner specifically with season four context or through a season four lens was very interesting because I feel like it helped us understand more of his motivations. Yeah. Um, and, sure. and why, especially he was so attached to Eleven because she was the only one left. Yeah. And I'm really not sure which way this sways my feelings about him. After season four, like, he's so complicated. And I, yeah, I don't know if it makes me dislike him or like him more. I really can't tell. But I also will say that after watching this so closely, after seeing season four, there really is a lot of Henry and Vecna in season one upon further inspection. But I still don't buy that he is the big bad. I just don't. I know. And think we've said this before. This can they can exist mutually. I agree. Henry can be lurking in the shadows of season one and the mind flayer can still be pulling the strings. Yes. And I I mean, I don't want to get for some reason. I don't want to get too deep into it. But like, yeah, I do feel like it's very possible that Henry is also being played. I hope so. Like, I just because that would be great. I just watched. I don't know the names of any of the Star Wars movies I watch ever, but I I just watched the second one with with Kylo Ren, and I can't remember what the heck the name of it is. But yeah, there, there's a lot with like Snoke being like the yeah, and, and like he thinks he's pulling the strings, but then yep. spo- spoiler alert if you haven't seen this one, but then like Kylo Ren turns on him. Yep, no different than the the Emperor and Darth mm-hmm. Vader, really. Like it it really does feel like they both think they're pulling the strings. 
So right. I wonder if we're going to get something like that where, like, Henry thinks he's in charge, the Mind Flayer thinks he's in charge, and we're going to find out who's really in charge. Yeah. And, oh, my God, we're going way off I here. Know. But the only <laughs> <laughs> the only way I will accept it being the opposite is if the Mind Flayer is a victim. Yes. That Henry has done something to enslave the Mind Flayer. Yes. And we need to we need to free the Mind Flayer. I, I would be free. so down with Operation that. Operation Free the Mind Flayer. I would be so down with that. How do I sign up for that <laughs> movement? Awesome. Let's make our own movement. <laughs> Operation Free the Mind Flayer. Yes, we'll start it. O F M F. A trending hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, but yeah, I I just want to go back real quick. I'm so sorry, but I feel the same way about Brenner. This man gives me like heart palpitations, <laughs> right? Because I empathize with him because I understand that he's acting out of pure i don't know i have a really bad habit of of empathizing with uh uh crazy people (laughs) like people who are evil but i can understand their motives Mm. even though it doesn't justify their actions so i feel like pain for brenner especially in season four yes i i do too like i really feel for him i really feel for l in in the whole situation with them as parent and child like it's just Yeah, it's yucky. It's a lot. So yeah, that's that's that, those are good unspoken observations. Yes. I have two. So in chapter six, the monster, it occurred to me while watching chapter seven, the bathtub, <laughs> that the monster in chapter six is sort of both L and the Demogorgon mm-hmm. because there's always this dialogue and like this this theme of L fighting with her identity. Is she evil? She thinks that she did the massacre in season four until Brenner shows her that she did not kill everybody in the lab. But then obviously in season one, you also have is the Demogorgon the monster? Who is the monster? I'm the monster. No, you're not the monster. You saved us. Like So I just thought it was funny that in, in chapter six, the monster... Dustin and Mike spend the entirety of that chapter searching for Elle because she's kind of MIA mm-hmm. after the body situation, right? Or no, no, she comes home after the, monster. The, the body, but then in the flea and the acrobat, she disappears after the whole situation at the junkyard where she like throws Lucas. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she kind of does dis- a disappearing act twice. So yeah, so Dustin and Mike spend the monster searching for Elle. And then Jonathan and Nancy spend the monster looking for the Demogorgon. So I was like, both of these parties are looking for the monster, whether the monster is L or the Demogorgon. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. The other thing that I thought of as I was going through the articles that we're going to talk about, I actually watched the season two trailer and I'd never watched the season two trailer because when that came out, I wasn't nearly as into the show. But I saw the scene when L opens the Ives's chain lock with her mind mm-hmm. and she gets there and she's like, I'm here to see mama or whatever she says. I'm sorry. I would just like to take it back to our very first hellfire club episode would you? where I more or less, I don't even know what I did to Amanda. <laughs> I kind of just bludgeoned her <laughs> okay. about this chain lock and how the Demogorgon can open the chain lock because he has telekinetic abilities. I just think After seeing Elle open the chain lock in season two, it is just too particular of an of an image, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Like, it's too specific of an image. Like, why a chain lock again? It's the exact same shot. It's like the exact same. It is. So, I mean, again, fine. Maybe Vecna, for some reason, was like, this dude needs some help right now to get this boy. I'm going to open this door lock. I don't know why he chose that. 
in banishing of Will Byers, but yeah. now seeing Elle do it in season two, which we haven't even seen yet, I might be hopping on the Vecna truther train. No. No. You cannot. No, okay. Running up that hill. No, you better stay on it. Running up that building. <laughs> stay on that hill. So yeah, those are our like unspoken little things that we thought of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand the the Vecna Truther train, honestly, like I I VTT. Like I do get <laughs> I it. Like it it, it, do, it does make sense, but just I I just don't want it to be true. You don't like it. Yeah. No. <laughs> I have no idea what you just said. I said I don't like oh. it. <laughs> All right, we have to we have to go. We are taking too long. I'm going to blow through this demogorgon lore. Here we go. Breathe. Here it. we go. Breathe right, through. Ready? All right. Phew. So we figured we really didn't dive into the D and D demogorgon lore, which seems kind of important. It does. All of this is coming from the D and D wiki or the Forgotten Realms wiki. The first thing is that the demogorgon is not a species. Hmm. Okay, demogorgon is just demogorgon. And he is known as the Prince of Demons, or the God of Death and Demons. So he's a dude, sort I mean, more or less. He's one thing. He's not a species. So is Demogorgon his name? Yes, he is Demogorgon. Oh, hi, Demogorgon. Hey, so, fam. So your, your nickname of Mr. Gorgon is technically correct. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Demogorgon. First name Demo, last name Gorgon. <laughs> All right. So I just thought it was funny because the D&D wiki, and I realize in the context of D&D, this makes, this makes sense. It seems as though there are worshippers of entities. But I just thought it was interesting that the wiki says he's not worshipped by many people. <laughs> but if he was worshipped by people, they would be dressed in unique robes of black and red. And any temples that he might have had would be hidden in caves or hidden inside of fortresses. Interesting. Yes, and the temples to him are described as split, and we will learn why in a minute. Okay. So his appearance, so the demo I'm sorry, Demogorgon <laughs> in D&D has two heads. Yeah. Which is why his temples are described as split. Oh, interesting. Because both heads have two separate names, which I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce, <laughs> and two completely separate personalities that were always at odds with each other. Oh, yeah, and both of the heads looked like baboons or mandrills. Okay, so I just want you to monkey keep it in your brain. <laughs> That's horrifying. Um, just just wait; it gets worse. And the wiki actually said that what keeps Demogorgon from ultimate power is the conflict between his two heads. Mm. The, the the two personalities cannot cannot arrive at any agreement. Interesting. So he, yeah, so he is kept from ultimate power because he kind of gets in his own way. Weird. It's almost like. He has a brain, but then there's another brain telling him what to do. All right. Sim simmer down over there. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like that. Yes. Which is just, okay. He also has a forked tail, which is described as whip-like. Whip. Whip. So he's got baboon faces and a forked tail. He also has tentacles rather than arms. I don't know if this is shaping up in your brain. Amanda's making some flails, but yeah, flailies. Okay. He is 18 feet tall. Okay. So he is double the size of the Demogorgons that we know from the show. It's very large. You know, about, about nine feet about tall. Nine feet so tall. yeah. So yeah, he, Demogorgon is 18 feet tall. The, 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 the ginormous -tist. That's very large. He is also reptilian. So he's got blue green skin with scales. That makes sense. That sounds right. Yes, that checks out. His appearance testifies to his command of cold-blooded things, such as serpents, reptiles, and octopi. Interesting. Me, imagining an army of octopi. Just an army. Horrifying. <laughs> so, no, thank so you. So scary. Yeah. His abilities. 
I'm sure none of these will come as much of a shock. He can hypnotize opponents by fixing his gaze from both of his heads on them. Ooh. I'm hypnotizing you at this moment. That checks out, right? Hypnosis. Mm -hmm. And just the one head, I'm not sure which one, but the gaze of one of his heads can cause insanity for up to six turns. So, you know, in the context of the game, the dice rolls, the turns, etc. He can also lash you with his tail, unpleasant, and he can attack you with his tentacles. Okay. Fun. Okay. And then powers of his. So those, the, the previously mentioned, the aforementioned, were more or less his attacks. These are some of his powers. So he can charm. He can create illusions. He can cause fear. He can levitate like Dua Lipa. He can detect magic. He can read magic. He can read languages. Detect invisible objects. ESP, clairvoy, suggest, last but not least, telekinesis. Huh. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that clairvoy was the, the verb <laughs> version of clairvoyance. Nor did I, but clairvoy. Clairvoy. That's funny. Mrs. Clairvoy. I don't know who she is, but... <laughs> Hello, clairvoy. So yeah, that's, that's some demo lore. Um, Demogorgon is his, own, is his own dude, and he's not a species. That is the show Taking Liberty. Mm-hmm. They've made a Demogorgon species. But it's also interesting because when... In the vanishing of Will Byers, when when they slam it, they're like, it's the Demogorgon. So, like, even they're referring to it as the Demogorgon. Okay. So, we're going to get into some old fan theories. We want to see, like, what people were thinking, how wrong they were, (laughs) how right they were. So, we went back and we found some articles of what people thought would come after season one. I'm excited. Yeah, these are fun. So, this article was written about a year and a half after the release of season one. I think we all know when season one was released, but just just one more time. It was released. One more. What day? On July. Wait, 15th. 15th. I think I think it was yeah, 15th. July 15th. <laughs> wow. We actually forgot. July 15th, 2016. Okay. So this article was from July 20th, 2017. Okay. And it is from therap.com. Like tortillas, mm. not like music. <laughs> so yeah. So one of the theories was that L is alive, but in trouble. Okay. I mean, All right. not wrong. Fair enough. Yeah. Right? I mean, and, and the little side note of that was that finding and saving her would be a focal point of season two. In some ways. That did not. I, I guess so, yeah. But, like, at the end of, it didn't really manifest in that way. No, yeah. She didn't need to be found. Another one is was that Elle is tied to the upside down. There seemed to be, like, some thoughts that she was actually the monster in her own way, infiltrated by the upside down's darkness. Hmm. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I don't think, again, I don't think that really came to fruition, but it was interesting. And that there was more to her relationship with, like, the Demogorgon. That's, like, sort of true, but not in the way that I think people thought. Long lost uncle. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Another one was that the Thessal Hydra from the D&D campaign at the end of season one, like, in the finale, is the monster from season two. So this actually came from the Super Bowl trailer, which I also looked up in 2017. It showed the Mind Flayer. Mm -hmm. The trailer was 36 seconds long. People thought that the legs and arms of the Mind Flayer looked like the heads of a Thessal Hydra. Do you remember we watched this trailer together? You weren't really into um, Stranger Things yet, but it was the the year that Lady Gaga performed at the Super Bowl. So we were in your house. Yep, we were in my grandma's in basement. Your, in your basement. Yep. Okay. It came back to me when you said that. Yeah. Yeah, we it was okay. the one year we watched the Super Bowl at my house. Yeah, I remember that. Yes. But, okay. So yeah. yeah, people people thought I guess that the Mind Flare was the Thessal Hydra. Which I could see. I I could see that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Nancy will end up with Jonathan was a really big popular idea from 2017. I mean, yeah, yeah, virtually, sure. Not wrong. I mean, I remember in in the episode where they finally hook up, I was so excited. Mm. I was was thrilled. The first lie. I was thrilled. Yes. I know. I'm excited to to talk more about that. I can't wait to talk about that. I get get, like me just thinking about it. I know. Their relationship is so interesting to me, but yeah. Yeah. This one's really vague, but I think it checks out. Barb's disappearance will be a problem. And yeah, I mean, it was kind of a focal point of season two. Like, it was. Like Nancy and Steve kind of, well, first they were kind of working together with Barb's parents, but then Nancy and Jonathan kind of took over on that. Right. But I th- I think the pursuit of truth that Nancy goes on in season two is a result of Barb's disappearance becoming a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, Nancy's whole thing in season two is what happened barb 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 yeah and then like a little a little tiny piece of that was hopper is covering up barb's death and will's disappearance to protect the buyers i mean he's not really covering up barb's death like he's not he's not really specifically i mean he is trying to protect the buyers but that wasn't really part of it yeah will buyers is part monster now that's not totally off base (laughs) That was no. That was that was pretty. I mean, we did get the hot of the slug, but yeah, the hot. The yeah, because I mean, Will has Fladar now. Oh yes, Fladar. Yes, Fladar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Another thing that people thought was that Hopper works for the government. They thought he was either joining Hawkins National Lab with the intention of taking it down from the inside out, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Or he was returning to his team after a long absence. His team. Yeah, so, like, he had previously worked for Hawkins National Lab. That would be a wild twist. Yeah, people thought that. That would be pretty interesting, but I'm glad it didn't happen. Yeah, that would have been interesting. So, it was, that was what people thought, that either he worked for them previously and was returning, or that he was joining them with the intention of, you know, like, eating them up from the inside out. Yeah, see, that one I could totally see. That was solid. That's yeah. really interesting. Returning to his team after a long absence. I'm, I'm like, a little sad that that actually wasn't a thing. I know. That's really interesting. When the fan theories are better than what actually happens. (laughs) Okay, so these next two. The Upside Down is Hawkins' future. That's cool. That is cool. So I think a lot of people thought that before the events of season four. Yeah, that is really interesting. I I had long heard the theory that it was Hawkins if they had lost the Cold War. Right. Like it was nuked and yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's what it says. The Upside Down is Hawkins after it's been nuked by the U.S. government to stop the giant mutant creature from the Super Bowl trailer. So people thought that the Mind Flayer was going to infiltrate Hawkins, okay, and that in order to fight this being, the United States nuked Hawkins. And now the Upside Down is that. That's interesting, because I hadn't heard that one. I I heard that it was like a foreign government who had attacked, Mm. but Mm -hmm. that's very interesting. Yeah. This other one, the upside down, isn't an evil dimension. It was attacked. I just got chills <laughs> that somebody was theorizing that back at the end of season one. Yeah. Yeah. Because what did we just launch? Operation Free the Mind Flayer. Yeah. And like you mentioned this here, but I I kind of had this thought too after watching season four. The upside down looks completely different when Henry first gets there. Yeah. Like, there's nothing there. It's empty. No. And, and it looks kind of just like a normal desert, sort of. Yeah. Um, and then after he's there a while, suddenly it becomes this death and decay dimension. Yeah. People thought that the state of the upside down, so like the slugs, the creatures, the tentacles, and the toxic atmosphere was due to an invasion from a third dimension. So I think they just, like, 
barely missed the so mark close. here because yeah if we are to assume that like the upside down is the way it is because of henry's influence it wasn't a third dimension it was our dimension and he's the invader ew <laughs> no he's an explorer, he's an explorer. Excuse yes. me, I was an explorer. <laughs> okay, and then the last one from this article, this was super prevalent. I noticed this several times. Hopper's daughter is L. L and Sarah are the same person. That was theorized a lot. Yeah. This one actually, I think it came from multiple sources, but the one that I found was actually from a YouTuber called Planet Calvin. He posited that Hopper's memories of Sarah were just delusions. Mm. Yeah, he used the speech to Joyce when he was saying when Sarah died, he didn't know what was real. And if he didn't stop, he was going to fall down a hole. So, yeah, the theory was that Hopper did indeed fall down the hole. And he also posited that Diane, so Hop's ex-wife, was not real. And that there was a greater connection between him and Terry Ives. And he cited, you and Terry would have gotten along when Becky keeps repeating that when they visit her. He also posited like Sarah and Elle would be the same age and he had like a timeline and stuff. So, yeah, the theory was that Hop was actually delusional and that Elle and Sarah were one and the same. It's a pretty solid theory considering it's pretty clear that Hop is deeply traumatized. So it it would... Definitely check. I mean, yeah, that's a solid theory. I remember thinking that not as deeply as this YouTuber had put it, but like, I do remember having the idea, like, what if Elle is this lost daughter? Right. The lost sister. Oh, God. Coming up soon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So there was one other article that had a couple different theories, and this one was written on October 24th, 2017. And this was actually right before season two dropped, which was... Get ready for a new date. You're going to hear a whole lot of (laughs) October 27th, 2017. So we should definitely keep in mind that by this point, everybody had seen the full season two trailer, which came out on October 13th. So this was from Thrillist.com. Marina, you want to you want to take this one? <laughs> I wrote this a minute ago, so I forgot I put this. But um, Will <laughs> or the McRib for those of you who saw our Instagram story. Oh my god! Oh god! Um, so this this broke down the characters themselves. So what would what were the theories surrounding Will? So there was a lot of like, can Noah handle playing Will? What does that even mean? Because they were like, well, he didn't really do much in season one. So can this actor actually act? Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Will he fit in with the rest of the cast? Again, because he really didn't spend a lot of time with the cast in season one. That's so funny. Like, yeah, I didn't even think about that really. Yeah. And then people were like, is he having visions of the Upside Down? Or is he actually being transported back there when he has these, I guess in the trailer, you could see him like having that um, like vision. Yeah. Which, yeah, that was definitely a question I had, too. And honestly, I feel like it's still not totally answered. Like, I would agree, yeah. Because it, it seems more like it's visions, but they can actually affect him. Much mm-hmm. much like Elle's mind void. Like, it's not really there, but it can harm <clears throat> her. Right. People were also, at this point, speculating about... They didn't know what it was called yet, but the mind flare. They were like, is this creature an evolution of the Demogorgon? Interesting. <laughs> I thought that was interesting, too. It was like, oh, he grew some arms. Yeah, he got real big. <laughs> he, got, he got real big. A lot. You know what actually pissed me off about some of these? When there was talk of Joyce and Nancy, it was always in relation to their romantic relationships. Yes. Like, a lot of the speculation around Joyce was that there would be a Hopper-Joyce-Bob love triangle because Bob, I guess, was in the season two trailer. 
And then someone even popped in with Lonnie. Like, is Lonnie going to come Ew. back? So so Joyce is juggling three men. I don't know. It just didn't sit well with me. A lot of the theories surrounding Joyce and Nancy were in regards to their romantic lives. So annoying. Like, how, how yeah. are we still here? I don't know. The year 20, I mean, even in 2017. Like, how? How? Come on, people. As if these two female characters didn't kind of run the show literally more or less in season one they've been reduced to their romantic relationship it's so funny you say that because one of the things i was going to put in themes but i did feel like i had talked about pretty sufficiently already was just like how women run this show like yes. like women's intuition is the driving force the fuel that it, runs it this really show. is like, between max l joyce and nancy yes, and robin yes. Like, they couldn't have even decoded what was going on in season three without Robin. I know. Robin <laughs> figured out the Russian code in, like, oh, I don't know, 20 minutes, not even. When she, when she starts speaking Pig Latin, and they're like, wow, you can speak Russian? And she's like, that's Pig Latin, dingus. I know. Like, <laughs> nothing in the show would happen without trusting the women in the show. Agreed. And it's so annoying to see them constantly reduced to a, a romantic partner. Yeah. So Hopper... Apparently, David Harbour had said in an interview at the time that Hopper's daughter would be a primary focus of season two, but not in the way that you think it will be. Mm. So people seem to assume that that meant Sarah. But we obviously know in hindsight that what he meant was Elle. Yes. I, I remember thinking at the time, I don't I don't remember seeing that interview, but like, no, I do remember thinking at the time, maybe Sarah is actually alive and she had like mm. something to do with the lab and he was going to get her back or yeah, mm. like, Interesting. like that's kind of where my mind was going at the time. But yeah. Yeah. And then lastly, people were speculating about Elle. She will continue illuminating the truth of the Hawkins lab. Okay. Uh, sure. Yeah, I can, I can throw that dog a bone, I suppose. She will have a grand reunion with Mike. Isn't it interesting how she has a reunion with Mike at the end of season two and then at the end of season four, she has a reunion with Hopper? Oh, yeah. And then the last part, her and Hopper will have a connection. So that was, those pretty much all checked out to me. Yeah. I mean, those are pretty much all correct in their own way. Yeah. Before we moved on, one other theory I wanted to talk about was one we touched upon in the last episode at the very end the Lost Knight, The Proud Princess, and The Weird Flowers in the Cave. Oh, yeah. I forgot about yeah, those. Yeah. I did want to talk about just a little bit of what people were speculating about this. So I just brought up a Reddit thread about it, and I just wanted to read a couple of the responses about it. So, Ooh. yeah. So this was posted six years ago. Oh, my God. By, what is time? <laughs> by Reddit user Samurai Pandatron. It's a sick name. Oh, shit. I know, right? But they said, in the last episode of the season, the kids exclaim about not knowing what happened to the lost knight, the proud princess, and strange flowers that they saw in the cave. My mind went straight to the plot points that were left unanswered. Hopper, the lost knight, is he working for the power station now? Power station. The, the power <laughs> station. Love, I love reading these I old know. things when nobody knew what to call anything. Power um, <laughs> the power station. The proud princess <laughs> being L. Where is she? Yes. And then the eggs could be the strange flowers that they found in the upside down have they been breeding with this in mind i wonder what the thessal hydra represents my guess is that it's will will keeps spitting up sl slugs and can travel between the two worlds effectively becoming morphed with the monster in the upside down I thought that was kind of an interesting take that was that that was before season two yeah. Okay. And then somebody else said, I thought it was a nice call out to the next season, especially when the others protested that the campaign was too short. So mm. people think it was kind of like a tongue in cheek, like meta reference to like Netflix, please give us another season. Oh, yeah. I like that. That's really cute. I know. This was by Reddit user Dunwell. 
I have another theory. Maybe the proud princess is Will. Yeah. In Tales, the princess is in danger usually and gets saved, just like Will. Plus, I think he's too proud to reveal to the others what is happening to him. The lost knight is mm-hmm. L. She saved everyone like a knight, and now she's vanished, so she's lost. And the weird flowers are obviously the hatched eggs in the Upside Down. Okay. Yeah. People really latched onto the eggs and the flowers. Which is funny because we didn't get really anything. We didn't. About those eggs. I mean, I think the eggs are very gremlins, which I also rewatched like last weekend. Yeah. Like the way that the gremlins hatch out of those like disgusting eggs is very those eggs. Yes. I didn't think the lost flowers in the cave in relation to the Me eggs. either. Me either. I didn't. I'm going to say egg one more time. Egg. <laughs> egg. So, yeah, I just... I like those. Right? I thought those were really interesting. I remember having some thoughts at the time. Can't remember what they were, but <laughs> I'm sure I had thoughts. <laughs> I remember having, having thoughts. I don't know what they yeah. were, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so fun. This was fun. We could honestly do, like, a whole episode on what people thought was going to happen. I know. We did consider splitting up the overview or the wrap-up and the theories, but I felt like they sort of went too much hand-in-hand. Yeah. But, yeah, we could totally do a, a whole theories episode at some point yeah okay so to to really wrap this up in true star court study hall fashion Mm -hmm. i went through the season one score (laughs) amanda stop with the with the hand so much on this list and no there's not a lot in context you will see and i pulled out some score standouts because you all need to stop what you're doing and listen to the season two one one score season (laughs) one score sorry okay so uh obviously the theme uh please the theme kids kids off of volume one lazy boy go listen to it lazy boy 11 it's her little tune a kiss the upside down but fast forward to two minutes and 30 seconds please yes because the beginning is just like ambient noise for a while yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah one blink for yes just the end of lamps so it really escalates by the end it's like a one minute and 30 second song in total but like just the last 30 seconds it really gets like it gets good hanging lights has no business going as hard as it does. It really does. does go hard. It goes hard. Biking to school is fun. It makes me feel like it is fall. Papa gives me goosebumps. So you have not literally, okay, not Papa himself, <laughs> the song off of the score. I mean, Matthew Modine's a good looking guy. He is. He's a handsome man. <laughs> um, walking through the upside down, she'll kill you, but fast forward to like 40 seconds, mm-hmm. okay? And dispatch. Every time I see the title dispatch i don't even need to hear it i just think of hop going stay where you are do not move (laughs) (laughs) and in hindsight the volume one of the score is i think 30 songs or so this is only half of those songs so i don't want to hear anything from anybody pipe down Okay. okay additionally volume two of the score this half of the score is a lot more ambient there's not nearly as many bangers but i will i will shout out gearing up first kiss Mm -hmm. this is when mike and l kiss this is important it's important moment tribulations plays when mike destroys l's basement fort Mm -hmm. kids 2 remix it's a slightly toned down version of kids that's the opposite of toned down (laughs) and i just wanted to add too before we move on to the next song that every score has a version of kids yes it's the cutest thing ever i love it and then by season three i think it's called teens right or season four i think season four is teens starts to rain is great time for a 187 banger top 40 hits plays during the van chase okay (laughs) still pretty very important Mm -hmm. even just from for its namesake and then spiked bat it's a good one also very important it's a good one so um our now stranger things season one score will be coming out on this volume of now uh we will be (laughs) listing all of (laughs) 
<laughs> now that's what I call Stranger Things. <laughs> now that's what I call Stranger Things. <laughs> All of these songs will be featured on Now That's What I Call Stranger Things, coming to a store near you, to a Sam Goody near a you Sam for Goody. the holiday for the holiday. Um, season. I think you mean a Radio Shack where Bob works. So on that note. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed our season one wrap up, which is pushing like three and a half hours. Oh gosh, I know we did a lot. But again, I just want to say if you've stuck around with us this long, we appreciate it Aww. so much. We never even considered that we would have people listening to us. Honestly, when we started this podcast, <laughs> we we were just excited to talk about Stranger Things and have something Yay. fun to look back on. Just a recording of us being friends and hanging out like so we we're really happy that people are out there enjoying us as much as we enjoy ourselves yeah. <laughs> on that note i wanted to shout out the coffee and contemplation podcast yes. because robin from that podcast dm'd us and she was like really enjoying and i was just like oh this is so nice so thank you to robin from the coffee and contemplation podcast she's also a stranger things podcast yes so shout out to them thank you so much Okay, so just like a quick thing before we sign off, we will have one more episode before we get into season two, and we're going to do that tarot reading. We each bought the Stranger Things tarot deck, and we're going to do like a little bit of a deck overview, and then we're going to do readings. I'll do Amanda. She'll do mine. That'll be next week. Yes, I'm so excited to do that. That'll be really fun. And that's going to be kind of like our little bonus end of the season episode. Then we will take a one week break for Thanksgiving, and we will be right back with season two. A whole break. A whole, whole, a whole week. one week break, people. A whole week, I everybody. Hope you can stand it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, see you next week. And in the meantime, stay, stay strange. To keep in touch and stay informed about upcoming Starcourt Study Hall episodes, follow us on Twitter at SSHPod and on Instagram at Starcourt Study Hall. <laughs> <laughs>